0: good afternoon folks it is friday about three o'clock on may what's that 4th 2018 coming at you live from north Fulton county georgia on just another gorgeously beautiful day got all my household chores done the last couple days in terms of getting my oldest graduation party set up ready for her uh, high school graduation so some friends come over Sounds like a bunch of people. (laughs) And so we had a lot of painting and cleaning up to do. So I want to get back on the podcast. And today I want to talk about an old article I pulled out, old being from uh, eight, seven years ago, uh, from the Journal of Indexes. And uh, I haven't looked at the Journal of Indexes much lately, but uh, um, I I am or was. I'm not sure it's still out there, frankly. But I was a big fan of the Journal of Indexes uh, because they actually started uh, t- helping the ETF market take off with low-cost passive investing. And I, I'm a big, big fan of, uh, of that strategy. And I'm going to share with you why. I'm just going to read an article. and I'm not going to read it verbatim, but I'm going to go over it because it's from 2011. Let's see. The date on this guy is from uh, May and June of 2011. So think back around that time. 2001 and 2, the market got killed. The S&P was down 9, 11, and 22% respectively. October 2007 to March of 2009, the S&P was down another 50%. Now, what was up during that time? Well, gold. Gold averaged, in fact, this right here is, yeah, the gold market started getting killed around June of 2011, if memory serves correct. I know 2011, when it stopped having its uh. Uh, accolades, but anyway, so gold and gold mutual funds were averaging like thirty percent a year for that decade, where everything else was getting hammered. In fact, we had one at USA, the Golden Precious Metals Fund, that that was literally the number one fund, the number one fund, in all mutual funds out there for that decade. Forgot the guy's name who managed it, but that guy was a cat's meow. Morningstar wrote, it. everyone was more writing about this guy, and this isn't a diatribe against gold fund. I'm not saying that. It's a diatribe to remember where we were, though, and how I tell you, even in 2011, it was still pretty scary to, to pull up your head from the markets. Now, fast forward 2018, the markets haven't had a down year. Everyone and their mom expected a down here at some point, me too. But at the end of the day, if you think back to May of 2011, when this article came out and you see how the traditional investing market just did nothing. And then alternatives like gold and hedge funds and these portfolio protection series that brokerage firms had all these things came out and uh, it was easy to get suckered into that. It was easy. It was easy to say the old traditional way of investing did not work. I'm going to try something new or uh, even worse. I'm going to time the market because I've heard people were able to call the market decline. Of 1999 uh, in 1999 the next couple years or they did so again in 2007 Well, I don't know anyone who did both. There might have been a guy who did 1999 I don't know anyone who did both in 1999 and 2007. So I want to share with this article uh, It's called the core of the matter getting back to basics because and again, I know it's old But it's so critically important. Cause I was reading this article on a Excuse me. I had to take some water on a quora and this hedge fund manager, <laughs> Jeez. Ah, some guy asked me, he said, why should I not just, if, it, if index funds were so good, why is there even a active managed strategy out there? And the, this hedge fund manager writes back in and he goes, oh, the S P 500 did nothing from uh, basically December 31st, uh, 1999 until 2013. And the guy's just simply not true. I mean, it." it because if you take dividends into consideration, it actually did something. It you know didn't make it much, but it did absolutely make you money from that until 2013. In fact, you made sixty thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar investment. Again, that's not much, but the idea it didn't do anything is silly. Now it didn't do anything if it was just look at price point to price point. But why would you ever do that? You need to look at dividends. And if you look at dividends, in fact, it took until the end of 2010 for you to get your to, to break even and squeaked out a three thousand dollar gain. So if you put Um, $100,000 on one January 2000 and you kept it in there, you would have got your money. You would have been back in the black towards the middle of 2010. I know that's a long time, uh, but it's 40% less than what this guy was saying for the S&P 500. So the idea there, though, is, oh, he could have done better. And you hear this all the time. It just it's silly. So this is why I'm leading into this uh, article. Uh, how the dumb money gets divided is the uh, is one of the subheads. Tactical asset allocation is a zero sum game. When someone underperforms the market, it means someone must have outperformed before fees and expenses. The grand total dollar weighted return for the average investor in all funds over the past 10 years was 1.68% annually. Compare with a time-weighted return of 3.18% for the average fund, according to Morningstar study. So where did this 1.5% difference go? So again, I don't want to get into that too deeply yet. I want to talk about tactical asset allocation. That's simply market timing. All right, so a, a good market timer it c- it competes against a bad market timer. Essentially, it's a zero-sum game. If we both start with 100 bucks, and I make 10 That means I'm at 110, which inherently makes the other guy down to 90. There's no two ways around that. We're both it's a zero-sum game. You take my 110, you add his 90, we're at 200. You start the the season off at 100 each, you're still at 200. And that's how a market timing, i.e. tactical asset allocation models go. Investors who lose with their tactical asset allocation strategies indirectly provide excess returns to investors who religiously rebalance their strategic allocations. This occurs because rebalancing naturally forces an investor to sell some of their better performing investments and buy more of their worst performing investments. Although it seems counterintuitive to do this over time, Rebalancing increases portfolio returns and lower risks. All right, so I just want to re- reiterate that. Over time, rebalancing uh, increases returns and lowers risk. Historically, I don't know about going forward. You don't know about going forward. But historically, that's proven to be 100% true. And uh, and I, I do not disagree with that. It's simply because a strategic rebalancing, i.e. just once a year you can do it you know twice you can do whatever you want essentially at the end of the day the amount of times you do it is not all that important as long as you do it in fact you don't even have to do it every year you can do it every three years you probably want to do it every year so if you're doing it once a year strategic rebalancing strategic just means you do it you say i'm going to do this on the 31st of july every, every year uh, you are going to increase or you have i got to say that you have increased your returns and reduced the risk Uh, Simply because what has gone up typically in the longer run has more room to fall, not in the next year necessarily, but in the longer run, three to five years. What has gone down typically in the longer run will come back up again, not necessarily in the next year, but within three to five years. And we've seen that time and time again. So if I can sell something that is higher and take those proceeds and move it to something that's dropped in value, that will give me a buy low and sell high strategy. And that's what you want to do. You want to buy low and sell high. Back to the article. Strategic asset allocation and regular rebalancing provides what is widely referred to as the only free lunch on Wall Street. Strategic allocation is simply saying I'm going to put 50% in large cap stocks, 20% small cap stocks, 20% mid cap stocks, and 10% international, or something along those lines. I mean, have as asset allocation with many different groups of asset classes, small caps, international, real estate if you want, a little bit of gold, you can do whatever you want. But that's what a strategic allocation is, strategic asset allocation. Regular rebalancing, again, just means you're rebalancing once or twice a year, once every two years, but generally you want to do it once a year. Um, and it's a nice thought of having the free lunch, but every economic student knows there's no such thing, especially on Wall Street. Any extra gain in one person's account means a loss in someone else's. The loser in this case is the investor who believes sector rotation strategies and market timing decisions can beat the market. And again, market timing, sector rotation strategies is synonymous with tactical asset allocation. Uh, the investor loses about 1.5% return annually. According to Morningstar, and a lot, uh, I don't want to talk about Dalbar, the, he cites the Dalbar study, which I can't stand, but Morningstar I do like. And they—you know again, it's 2011, so the m- numbers might be different now, I highly suspect they're not, but the investor loses about 1.5% return annually, according to uh, Morningstar. This loss amounts from trading mutual funds is, is controversial. My opinion is that investors lose at least one percent per year from these activities. It might have been a little bit more controversial back then. It's becoming less and less so uh, now, just because there's more and more proof that strategic or a tactical asset allocation, i.e., market timing, it just doesn't it doesn't hold much water. It's simply because there's too much fees. Assume three investors each start to invest in January 2000 with a portfolio of 45% in U.S. stocks as rep- by represented by the S&P 500, 15% in international stocks as represented by the MSCI EFA index, and 40% in the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. So this is why I want to share this article with you because, again, we're talking about January 2000. Remember, my friends, the market... Was going to take it on the chin for the next 10 years. And theoretically, active managers <laughs> make their money in down markets. That's what we're told time and again. Yeah, we might not be as great in up markets, but man, we'll save your butt in the down. We hear that over and over and over again. That's why I kept this article for so long. I want to share with you today because we are going back. He had written this article in the beginning of 2011 using data from that decade the last decade decade of the first decade of this century which is uh which is pretty interesting all right so remember we got 45% in the S&P 500 15% in international stocks and uh 40% in bonds so we have no mid and uh, no small caps which i don't think is diversified enough but we'll just use it cuz i think it's interesting uh one investor uses tactical asset allocation in an attempt to beat the markets and he will underperform by 1% annually the second uses a buy and hold strategy and lets the portfolio sit over a 10 year uh, period, thus earning market returns. And the third investor rebalances every year for 10 years and thereby outperforms the tactical asset allocator and the buy and hold investor. In fact, we got a chart here. The tactical asset allocator, the uh, again, the market timer was up 1.5, percent each year. The strategic asset allocation, i.e. I'm just going to put my money in 45% here, 25% there, uh, without ever doing rebalancing again, he was up 2.4%. So that guy was up 42% more than the uh, asset allocator, and uh, than this market timer. And the reason for that is fees. Um, Strategic asset allocation, again, I'm going to have a certain amount of stocks, certain amount of bonds, certain amount of international stocks, and so on. Uh, But I'm also going to rebalance it once a year. He was up 3.3%. So he was up 3.3 minus 1.4. Oops, 3.3 minus 1.4 divided by 1.4. He was up 135% of what the market timer was. And he was up 0.9 divided by 2.4, 38% more than the uh, asset out, the guy who did not rebalance, but just had a strategic market-based approach. Uh, the, SF, the excess returns from the strategic allocation represents a real wealth transfer that takes place in the marketplace. The return is enough to make up all the fund fees and trading costs and taxes that index fund investor incurs, leaving these investors with very close to market return. And you cannot do better than that. So the, the at the end of the day, what this guy is saying is, look, the tactical, the market timer is giving money away to the strategic asset allocation guy who rebalances once a year. Simply no more than the market timer is paying too much in fees, will never be able to time the market consistently. There's no history or no proof of that whatsoever. The strategic asset allocation who rebalances once a year isn't market timing. He's just going in there selling high and buying low. Um, let's see. Disciplined passive investors are smart money investors. They follow long-term strategic asset allocation strategy, basing their needs and filling their positions with low-cost index funds and ETFs uh, to represent those asset classes. They don't mistakenly believe that they have the skill to pick outperforming funds and know they don't have the timing to rotate in and out of many different asset classes and sectors. And I could not believe these ones. I could not agree with that more. Many investors use both a strategic allocation and a tactical allocation as well. And the idea is to place part of the portfolio in a strategic asset allocation using index funds and then play the remaining part with a portfolio using market timing. I call these combined strategies core and paid more because that best describes the outcome. The cost of the explore side using market timing is more expensive than the core side, and there's no reason to believe that the active management results will be any better simply because there's less of it. Investors will likely earn market returns for their passive positions in the index funds and below market returns in the portion using tactical asset allocation. And I I could not, man, I could not go to that more. Investment returns for passive strategic asset allocation are much more likely to earn superior returns than those from tactical asset allocation strategies. Okay, I agree with that 100%. So basically what this guy is saying is like, look, at the end of the day, uh, (laughs) some people are going to say, well, maybe this passive strategy isn't doing enough and I really need to engage in some market timing. And they do this thing called core and explore. And that says I'm going to have the bulk of my portfolio and strategic Asset allocation with rebalancing, but I'm going to allow some portfolio manager to see if he can't net me some alpha, some positive returns relative to the market after fees. Now, the funny thing was, again, remember, active asset managers always say that they can outperform in the down markets. And yet what we know is that in 2000, that did not happen. Are there some funds who did? Yes. Gold. I mean, my goodness, gold did. If you happen to be in gold in 2000, you're a happy camper. The question is, did you get out? i don't know i had a guy a client i know <laughs> and he was taken on the chin. he had everything in gold he had like two million bucks in his portfolio at the end of 2010 and we kept telling not just me but other people at my firm man you gotta get out you gotta get out you gotta get out take your gains take your gains take your gains it wasn't because like we knew gold was going to fall or were smart we just said man you made so much money here take it so i looked up again i think it was in 2012 When I moved, yeah, 2012 or 13, he was down like 700 bucks, 700 thousand bucks. I mean, he's over two million. He lost 1.3 million because he had everything tied to gold. Now, gold's had a little bit of a rally since then, but just nothing. I mean, you're talking—he's nowhere near back to two million dollars, and it's sad because the sad thing is he should have known better. But even worse, once he was down that much, he couldn't consciously pulled the trigger to get out. He said, I've just lost too much. I'm just gonna let it ride. And that's the worst decision you can do. You got to sell your losers. That, I mean, you've got to sell your losers. That's investing 101. sell your losers. And, uh, and unfortunately he did not do that. All right. So I hope this was interesting to you. I don't even know if I can, I tried to find the article online that I could link to it and, I, and I couldn't. So, I just wanted to share that one with you because I, I do uh, I, I do enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, this guy talking about, it. and I'm not actually he had written a book. This guy, and I think I have it on here. Let's see um, that John Bogle, Jack Bogle from Vanguard, gave the forward on. Yeah, he wrote the book from 2010. Again, this guy's Richard Ferry, F E R R I, the power of passive investing more wealth with less work with a Ford by John Bogle. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of that for sure. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. Uh, you know, not joy. I hope you had some informative information from this uh, podcast. I was trying, I had a song of the day I want to share with you and now I forgot what it was. So I'll have to get back to you next time. Oh man. I forgot. I just, I'm going to bring it back to my head. I know it. I forget. Yeah, I can't remember. So, anyway, uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your day, and we'll see you next time on the Josh Galen Podcast. Thanks, guys.